Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 301, and I had a conversation with Katie, Sugar, and Lindsay. They are the hosts of the Clit Talk Podcast. They are sex and body positive educators, pleasure researchers, and communication coaches. They are fascinating women. We had a great conversation. I have to let everybody know that, of course, this is what would be considered a not safe for work episode. We talk about sex and trauma and bodies and orgasms and body parts and all this stuff in between and play parties and and things. So just keep that in mind wherever you decide to listen to the episode that you won't be surprised when those things come up. Let's get into the usual stuff. I have a song out there, a new song uh, on an artist named Sammy Plotkin. He is featured on a production of a song called Our Light that Sammy and I wrote. It's produced by Vin Smoker and Marin Hoxha, and I'm really proud of it, and Sammy sings the heck out of it, and you can, you can find it in all the places you find new music. Uh, I want to get everybody to know about my YouTube channel, Official Susan Ruth. Please subscribe. And there's videos on there, obviously. And I'm going to try and keep adding content to it on a regular basis. So definitely check that out. Official Susan Ruth on YouTube. All right. My social media, Hey Human Podcast, can be found on Instagram and Facebook. My personal social media, Susan Ruthism, is found on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter. You can email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. Go to heyhumanpodcast.com to find the links page. This episode is chock full of information. I put it all in one place for you, so you can just go and do a deep dive. You can spend a lot of time. All the books and the articles and things we talked about are right there for you to dig through. So try to make it easy for you. Every episode gets its links. This one is no different, and I really got a ton of information in there. Also on HeyHumanPodcast.com, you can find the store where you can find Hey Human merch, t-shirts, pencils, book bags, hats, that kind of thing. Uh, You can also find the contribute button. Hey Human is an ad-free podcast, so your contributions help. Thank you for that. It's easy, it's safe, and secure. Rate and review and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Super helpful, and it keeps those algorithms happy and alive. If you want to sign up on the mailing list, go to SusanRuth.com. You'll also be able to find more about me, including my music and artwork, and any interviews that I have done over the last year or two will be there. Interviews, I mean that people have asked me questions instead of the other way around. So definitely check that out. And if you're into music, go wherever you get music and you'll find my album, All I Ever Wanted Was Everything. Or you can also listen to an oldie but a goodie, How to Say Goodbye. (laughs) That one's really old, but I still am really proud of that record. Okay, I think that's about it. Stay safe out there. Be well, be kind, and hang in there. I know there's a lot going on in the world. It's super stressful. Just, you know, take some time. Take care of yourself. Show yourself love and peace, and it's okay to disconnect from the news and the bad stuff in the world and just veg out and watch dumb television or something that makes you laugh or, you know, whatever it is. Take a nap, you know? Give yourself a facial. Do, do whatever it takes to say, to feel safe and to, to stay in 
uh, a more centered place. Yeah? All right. Let's do this. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Katie, Lindsay, Sugar, welcome to Hey Human. Hi. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. The ladies of Clit Talk. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> it's funny how many people I, I mentioned to various friends that, that this interview was happening today. And it's hilarious how squirmy people get when you either say the word clit or just even say, oh, I'm going to have a bunch of women on the show that are going to talk about sex for an hour and a half. <laughs> Right? It's hey, like this, you know, this thing we don't talk about. <laughs> How we all got here on the earth. <laughs> why we started our show. And I just got to say, there's nothing more human than being in touch with your sexuality. Right? Amen to that. Absolutely. I I was lucky because my parents taught me the birds and the bees at a relatively young age. Uh, because I was very curious. I asked a lot of questions and they encouraged me to, to explore through books and they'd buy models that I could take apart and look at and, you know, cartoon books, the what's happening to me, a classic. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And then I, this is first time heard on this show, but I remember taking a mirror and looking at all my undercarriages. I wanted wow. to know how everything works. What did it look level. like? How, how, can I ask how old you were when you did that? Uh, well, the first time, <laughs> so terrible. No. The first time I watched myself poop, not okay. because not because it was sexy or anything like that, but I was curious. I didn't understand exactly yeah. the mechanics. I wanted to see it happen, so I got a mirror out. I was probably six or seven, and I was like, "Okay, now I know how that works. I can want you know i I want to know how the sphincter worked. I want to know what it felt like in my body when I was watching in real time, which is very weird for a kid probably, but maybe not. I, maybe. I think it's amazing. I mean, it sounds like your parents created an environment for you to have the freedom to like, just want to know how your body worked, which is totally normal for a six year old. <laughs> Absolutely. And then through, you know, as after I got my, I was late to the period party. So, um, and then, you know, when I became sexually active at 18, I'm giving you my backstory so that we can dive into all of you, but I want you to know where I'm coming from. So at 18, yeah. I had sex for the first time and I was like, well, I better know what my vagina looks like in optimum health and, and beauty <laughs> so that if something were to go awry, I would know what that looks like or feel like or whatnot. So I got, I went to a garage <laughs> sale and I bought one of those makeup day night mirrors yeah the ones that magnify yeah and I was like I plugged it in the wall and I got down in there I love it <laughs> I love how we're like less than five minutes in and we've said like a lot of buzzwords sphincter poop vagina mirror work this is next level you know it really is so great though your parents so we're the three of us are all certified communication coaches and they really opened the door for you to explore this conversation and we've talked to so many people on our show and this that is not the norm but it just is a testament to like if people who you trust who are older actually open the can of worms to to talk about this yeah. it leads it lets you go explore on your own we've even had people come on and talk about the difference between sex education and pleasure education like mm. what if we actually empowered children to identify and be empowered around their pleasure as well as, you know, the basics of the birds and the bees, but like what would be possible there if we're like, this is what it's like and mm. this can bring you pleasure and like pleasure was normalized. 
you know, our sex education was like, put a condom on, don't get pregnant, don't get gonorrhea, which I did anyways in my butthole, that burning man, whatever. And don't, <laughs> that's, that's a sound bite and a half. And, and to be fair with my parents, as much as they told me, they left some stuff out that I would have liked to have known, you know, because they didn't get into really the depths, pardon the pun of pleasure, nor the mess of it all. So when I lost my virginity, I was like, oh, is this supposed to be this messy? Did I do something wrong? Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, and that kind of thing. And, uh, and at the same time, my mom had a lot of shame. And so in this weird ironic twist growing up it was always like put a shirt on you know mm. don't be don't run around the house in your underpants around your brother and your dad and I was like why you know so there was this weird mixed message going on yeah 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 all right so let's get into your history so we'll start uh for me at the top is Katie so we'll go we'll start with Katie and then we'll work around Sugar and then Lindsay where hey. what was your upbringing and what brought you to now well, this is the perfect order because I had uh, no, no one talked to me about anything. I was one of those five women, one out of five women in America don't masturbate. And it took me my first 32 years of my life to know that my vagina could be used for personal solo pleasure. So I started with like no education and just a lot of fear and guilt around any sort of public displays of affection to um, like even holding hands to, um, you know, just that, that was, that was bad and wrong to really getting pretty sexual in high school, but not expressing any agency over my body which led to trauma that I didn't even know as sexual trauma literally until I was interviewing someone on our show. And it, it hit me like yeah. a ton of bricks. You had like a visceral reaction. Like, like it was really intense. It was like all, it was like a dom like everything just kind of clicked into place and made sense for me. And it really started my path to healing and so how I how I was before I started Clit Talk is I had had a year and a half of medical issues and I'm a registered nurse and I had been healthy my whole life. Everything was in the bottom portion of my body. It was mostly my back, but right around my pussy area, if you will. And um, I we we started as a book club and we were reading Pussy a Reclamation by Regina Thomashauer. And I started to self-pleasure for the first time. And I started to notice that my back was getting better. Like nothing else was help helping but that. So, um, so it was really um, a true moment of me directing my whole life. Don't even let me to where I hear on your show today of like that masturbation is a health conversation. Pleasure is so important to talk about. And, um, and now I'm, I am a mother. Like that was something that I never thought was possible for me. Cause I was so afraid. And now I have a really fulfilling sex life to the point where I'm very exploratory and, um, and I do still struggle with emotional intimacy, which is something that I ongoingly work on with my partner. And I really, in our clitorati community, I'm really held to account to live a life of pleasure and live a life as designed. I'm on this, I'm on this path for the long haul. 
Would you say that the trauma you were discussing a minute ago has to do more with feeling like you didn't have dominion over your body just in general? So anytime you engaged in something sexual, it felt uh, like a betrayal to yourself? I think, yeah, that was part of it. And then the other part of not having any sex education or any kind of voice in the bedroom, really real ability for me to like navigate that conversation in an intimate situation, which led to a lot of negative sexual relationships in, 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 you know, relation with boyfriends, you know, people didn't treat me right. And I didn't know that I didn't really enjoy sex, but you know, it was something I was supposed to do. And I did the things that like, I thought I was supposed to do from what I did know. And it just led to a lot of pent up resentment that now that I'm in a healthy, safe partnership, those things are still um, unraveling. Mm -hmm. And again, it's that idea that we, we store so much of our emotions in our bodies in different parts. So it's, it's not surprising to me that, well, I mean, I think orgasm is such a great cure for a headache, for example, or, or, or cramps. For example, you know, these are great cures. Or or depression. Depression. Yeah, absolutely. Like feeling sad? Flick your bean. You're going to feel a little less sad, I promise. (laughs) Well, and that's because of the hormonal surges, right? You boost that oxytocin, you decrease cortisol, which creates your body holding on to stress. And ultimately, I think your body reveals what it needs to you when it's ready. Like when that trauma really hit me, like, I don't know if I ever would have really understood that if I hadn't done a bunch of work on myself in this realm before that. Yeah. So um, I, it was at a point in my life where I could handle, handle that and have all the tools to really navigate it in a community. So yeah, I remember Catholic. Oh, sorry, Lindsay. Oh, no, I was just, Katie said, I remember when you called me when that happened, Katie, and you said something really profound that has always stuck with me. And one of our guests had shared with us, like the body will hold trauma and it will store it until like what Katie said, until you are ready for it. And, and it will be like, it was like a complete suppress. Katie and I both have had this experience where it's like a complete suppressed memory that comes back. Like the body is the craziest thing. And I just remember Katie sharing that with me and it was, it's, it's, was really profound. It just always stuck with me. I don't know if I ever told you that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I remember that. I like, I had to. I was prepping for an interview to interview a guest and it was listening to one of our old episodes and I was listening to myself talk and we were talking about emotional intimacy. She described something around that. And I was like, I struggle with that. And, um, and she, and the way that I described how I struggle with it, she's like, it sounds like there's some sexual trauma there. And I was like, I don't have any sexual trauma. And I heard, I was listening to myself say that. And then it was like, like I said, hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my gosh, I did. I did. And it wasn't like I was, you know, violently raped or anything like that. It was um, being in a situation where like, I didn't want to do something and I didn't have the, and any language to really navigate that properly where I was able to keep myself safe. I just more endured what I thought I was supposed to be doing. Well, and that's the language we're given as women and girls is, you know, from from so many different sources. You're, you grew up Catholic, correct? Yeah. 
And one of my uh, best friends is also Catholic. And she, she told a story about how her mother said to the girls in the family, look, you know, if, if someone is pressuring you to have sex, just give them a blowjob. It'll suffice and send them on their way, which is such crazy advice. But also I, I understand where they're coming from because from the mother's point of view, she was like, stay safe, don't get raped, just yeah. get him off and get going kind of thing. And that's so sad, right? It that is. we, and I mean, I don't think anybody I know, female, myself included, didn't do something just to get somebody off their back for a minute or front. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just described my early twenties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, totally, totally. Um, it's easier to give in or it's less scary to give in. Yeah. Mama Gina, Gina, Regina Thomas hour. She says women learn to compromise before they learn to come. And that is something that has really stuck with me. (laughs) Mic check. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Did you now have conversations with your, are your parents still with us? Are they around? They are. Yeah. Do you ever talk to your mom about your liberation? I do. She's actually come on the show and talked about her sexual liberation from me doing this show. Great. And um, she is our number one fan. I would Love say all, all three of our moms are like yeah. number one. I was one like, fans besides mine and Sugar's mom. I was like, besides <laughs> me too, because we have some really beautiful Mother's Day episodes where our moms come on and um, and talk about talk about these things and their own experiences and they're. I mean, also proud of, of the work that we're doing and it's mm-hmm. really helping not just us, but so many people. So, mm-hmm. okay. Sugar. Reading to, you're going to get the polar, uh, side of the sp- <laughs> polar opposite, the other side of the spectrum. Hi, I am Madison, also known as sugar. And I have been, queer my entire life as far as long as I could remember the first sexual interactions I had were with girls I didn't know liking girls was uh quote-unquote wrong until I was shamed for it in middle school um I was an amazing basketball player and so the whole school (laughs) thought I was a lesbian and uh that's when I got really sexually active because I uh I guess I've always been into branding because I took a very, very close interest in my own reputation and what people were saying on me. And I was, you know, very clear. I didn't want to be known as the lesbian girl. Not that I had a problem. I was, I just got that that was not okay in my community, in the school that I grew up in. So I did everything I could to paint a different picture of myself. And I got really sexually active and, you know, as, as a, as a seventh grader to just to put a little, yeah, making out with boys in seventh grade. Um, and, I actually was slut shamed on social media. Uh, so I am, I'm um, almost 28 now, but when I started ClickTalk, I was 23. And um, I was, so my space was really my generation. I was, uh, you know, going into eighth grade and I uh, found out through my mother that the MySpace I wasn't supposed to have for these exact reasons was hacked and a bunch of slander and rumors were spread about me being the school slut. And I mean, here's the problem with rumors, like 20% of them were true, but I couldn't admit to the 20% without owning up to all of it. So I uh, ended up everyone and their mother and father and sister and brother in, in the high school I would be going to knew who I was going into eighth grade. And, and that, um, 
that had me, you know, really take another look at who I was and, and change my reputation yet again. So I went from being, oh, the lesbian to the school slut. And then I got smart in high school and I secured myself in a relationship with a popular boy. And I um, had all the sex in the world and he was my alibi. And I just explored um, my heterosexual side. Uh, I fast forward, dated women in college, um, dated women, a woman that I was in a very serious relationship with before. For the man who I chose to marry, who's my husband today, we've been together for almost eight years. It's so beautiful. Uh, however, I was in a relationship with a woman before my husband, and um, she wanted to marry me. And that's when I realized, shit, I still want to give dicks a try. Damn it, I got. I want to. I really. I want to end up with a man. And I, I declared to myself that the next man that I, you know, meet that I'm in love with, uh, I will marry. And I wound up being, finding myself in a heterosexual monogamous marriage and six months into starting clit talk, um, we opened up our relationship and we, uh, we started exploring non-monogamy and I got to have my first girlfriend inside of my marriage and it's been a roller coaster. ever a former since. cast member of clit talk. <laughs> <laughs> of course she was, you know. Uh, and so here I am today. Um, and I can say that every season of the last four years of being a non-monogamous married, married woman who's also queer, uh, has ne- not one season has ever looked the same. Uh, for me. And as a communication coach, which is where I met these amazing women who are my business partners today, uh, and the courses that we're leading, I've gotten to really experience walking the walk as a communication coach in someone who's in an, uh, a non-traditional relationship structure, for example, which requires a lot of communication. So it's been, a, it's been an honor and a privilege to be able to tell my story um, I don't want to leave out the fact that I was raped a couple times and I have experienced a lot of sexual trauma in this work with Clit Talk. You know, I got into it thinking I was going to liberate the world talking about sex and being funny. And it became so much more of just my spiritual journey and realizing that pleasure is medicine and healing my sexual trauma through sexual empowerment. Was that a difficult conversation to have with your partner, with your husband, when you were deciding that this is a new path for me and us? Surprisingly, the conversation was quite enjoyable. Um, We happened to be in Vegas and it was a late night after partying. I was there with Lindsay (laughs) and, you know, um, there was... There was very helpful substances on board to help uh, open my partner's mind up to ask me things he never maybe would have thought of to ask me. Uh, And he sat me down at like four in the morning after a fucking phenomenal night out in Vegas for my 24th birthday. And he was like, oh, my God, you were with women before me. Like, I can't imagine what it would be like if I liked the opposite sex also and then got married do you still like women and i was like fuck yeah i do this is amazing this is like the best night ever for me because i didn't even start the conversation my partner is the one that did and you know i'm with someone who was there he he didn't open that can of worms just to like you know judge me for what i was going to say i could tell that i was speaking into a container that wanted to listen and was really curious so I feel very fortunate to have been more, uh, someone was coming to me with their curiosity versus being like, Hey, I want to talk to you about opening up our relationship. That might be a more difficult conversation. I would say some of the harder conversations though came later on. Once we opened it up, once we got into really 
okay, where are we really at with this? Um, but that luckily the starter was, was really easy for me. Cause I was like, I felt like I was being interviewed. He was like, who do you like? Do you like any of your friends? I was like, well, yeah, I do. Who? And I was like, Oh, one of our cast members on clip talk. And then he's like, great, let's text her and set up a threesome. And it was like, so easy. You know, I don't, I imagine that's not most people's experience their first time around in the conversation. Well, see, now I find that interesting too, because in his mind, he automatically went three-way, but it's not always that. I mean, that's the thing about polyamorous relationship is there's a lot of, I don't think people understand. They think it's just willy-nilly any which way but loose, but there's structure and a lot of communication and, you know, it doesn't always happen that it's going to be a three-way. Sometimes it's going to be two ways over here and two ways over there. So yeah. Yeah. Actually you're painting a picture of the future of what happened. Cause after that threesome, this woman said to my partner, Hey, that was fun. But I think moving forward, I'd just like to date Madison. And so I got to have that conversation with my partner about just dating this person. And we created our own date nights and I would, I had my own relationship, but it is funny. What you're pointing to is like, you know, kind of just in a more heteronormative Mm -hmm. dynamic you know, um, the male saying, oh, cool. That means a threesome. But let me tell you, you switch that on them. And you're like, well, I would like to have a threesome with two guys. And, you know, your average straight guy is going to be like, oh, what? Uh, never mind. I don't need a threesome. I'm good. You know? Right. Yeah. Please. I'm still listening for my partner and I having a threesome with two guys. I'm, that is still on my to do. You never know. You never know. You're going to rub the right genie. (laughs) Uh, did your family growing up talk about sex? Was that a conversation that was open or more shut down? It was more open. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, and so just a little background, I'm Jewish and I grew up in a very Jewish community. Um, And so you talk about everything, you know, you really do. Um, My mom was like, I want to know the second you start having sex because I want to put you on the pill. Um, I remember that conversation like it was yesterday. I was like 14 years old and she's like, you have a boyfriend. I feel like you're going to be having sex soon. If you do just please let me know when you do. And, you know, my mom, my mom caught me masturbating a lot of times growing up and just like played it off. And, um, my mom knew my, my parents also, my parents split up when I was 11. So I sort of, uh, took charge as I think, you know, firstborn divorced kids do. And you parents don't really, some parents don't really, they, 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 they lose a sense of control because they feel like they did something wrong and they owe it to their kids. And so I kind of dominated my parents, I would say as a younger kid. And I was very much like, mom, I'm having people over this weekend. And she's, she was just grateful. I was doing things under her roof. She's like, honestly, you'd be doing this shit any other places. Anyways, I'd rather it be in my house, you know, like just like the Jewish mom being like, all right, fine. Have all your friends over. And my mom was dating and my mom was sharing about her dating life with me as a 12 and 13 and 14 year old. And same with my father. I mean, I grew up with a dad who, I love my father. Shout out to you if you're listening right now. But I grew up with a dad who, you know, I'd be 12 years old and he was like, I want to show you the women that are reaching out to me on these dating sites. And I was having to be my dad's like confidant in a way Mm -hmm. of helping my dad pick the right women on dating apps. So I felt like my parents talked to me about a lot of things in the realm of sex, relationships, fulfillment without even realizing they were doing it. Um, And I think I do really appreciate that you know, my parents did say, I would like to know, we would like to know, cause we want to support you and we want you to be safe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But imagine safety being the most paramount thing for a parent, but you, you bring up something that I think a lot of people would have issue with, right. Is that, 
the boundaries between the parent and child and, and what that means, especially in the realm of sexuality. It's one thing to be encouraging of a child. I, I feel, and looking back, some of the things, my mother, I remember being 11 years old and sitting in a restaurant and my mother talking about being tied up. And she said, you know, you might like it, Susan. You might not like it. She's like, I always really liked it. Except for you. And I remember her saying this, except for you can't claw at them. And I remember thinking, I'm 11 in a restaurant drinking a milkshake. This conversation is not happening, you know? It was like when I was 15, my mom's like, do you want me to buy you a vibrator? I was like, no. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. (laughs) Honestly, I think a lot of problems would be solved if parents bought their kids vibrators. They probably because then they wouldn't they'd be exploring themselves and learning about their own feelings and and sexual uh uh power without having to involve another person, which convolutes everything. Even as adults, right? It gets convoluted. The minute even if you understand what sex is and you have a healthy understanding of your body and yourself and your pleasure and all that stuff still complicates shit right to bring someone else in i wish that my parents got me a vibrator because i i've discovered the uh, the non-bristle side of my electric toothbrush which i just saw in the animated series big mouth that like she they like referenced her using her electric toothbrush and i was like but that's i did that too and you know that's like not safe at all you know so looking for things that buzz around the house it's like seriously like the new age pleasure education does include in the handbook for parents to buy your child a vibrator because they were gonna go looking for things that buzz anyways I mean, I didn't just stick I, in there. I just humped <laughs> a blanket when I was a little kid <laughs> and that worked for me. Yeah. You know, it's funny. You, you meet your friends and you somehow over cocktails, you start talking and you find out all sorts of like I, a guy, a friend of mine said that his first sexual pleasure device was uh, a halfway deflated beach ball, Makes you know, sense. and then other people are like pillows. Other people uh, are the toothbrush or just whatever, whatever you can find to make yourself feel good, you're gonna go for it. Totally. That would be that would be an interesting segment. Like like how kid like how like now that we're all adults, like how creative were you as a kid? Like what did you use to get yourself off as a kid? Because you didn't have access to like you know was it the was it the the, the hot tub jet or like your right. favorite teddy bear <laughs> or like yeah. you know I think that'd be really fascinating. Oh I bet gosh. people. I bet some kids got real fucking creative. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh my my, uh, my ex has former roommate from way back uh would buy cantaloupes warm them up a little bit in the oven and open you know cut open a hole and go to town that kind of sounds sexy i'd watch some cantaloupe porn why not yeah oh my gosh I just remembering, like, I was such an instigator. I would, like, get all my girlfriends to masturbate with me. Like, I'd be like, oh, we're at so-and-so's house today. Go into their hot tub at their house and be like, everyone grab a jet. And, like, we're in a (laughs) masturbation circle. Like, I would be, I was instigating all my friends to masturbate with me. Yeah, there's like the one, the one girl that couldn't find a jet. It's like, it's like musical chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, if you read the Kinsey reports from back in the day, it's very common. Group masturbation among kids is super common. Oh, mm-hmm. I definitely did it. Yeah, I did it too. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't remember doing that, but I did um, in high school once wanted to know what penetration felt like. And I uh, peeled a cucumber and that's what I used. Interesting that you peeled it. Yeah, peeled that's it. what I thought. Well, it's kind of prickly on the outside. Cucumbers? It's kind of like you put cucumbers on your eyes. Were you like rejuvenating your pussy? There you go. 
I guess so. I don't know. I don't know where the idea came from. I was home by myself. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were bored and you're like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. This and looks phallic enough. <laughs> the, other, the other end of, of getting people pleasure devices so that they aren't left to their own devices is how many ERs are filled with you know, the Coke bottle or the flash oh uh, flash oh. insertions or the light bulbs that break and all that. I mean, it's, oh. a real, but it's a That's real terrible. thing. Please don't put a light bulb in your pussy ever. My mom had a book cause she, you know, she, they, my parents have every book for everything. And I remember my mom had this book and it was emergency room sexual fails basically. And it was just <laughs> x-rays of the most insane and very painful stuff. Ooh, you know, that is not what we talk about. Talk. We talk about how to not have an emergency room fail. That's right. <laughs> that sounds like a good Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe we should do an episode about it. Yeah, that's what education, though, that keeps that stuff kind of stuff from happening. Yeah. One would argue that, that it, the education. less emergency room visits would happen, the more dominion parents get yeah. with their children. All right, Lindsay, what about you? What was your upbringing? Uh, my upbringing. So I actually grew up in a house with a registered nurse like Katie um, and my dad and my two sisters. And I actually had a very unique upbringing in the sense that my mom was very open. Matter of fact, she had a medical background. She didn't make it weird. I actually, my older sister's nine years older than me. So I was exposed to porn at a very young age at four years old. So it may be hypersexual. So I started masturbating very young. Um, but my mom never made a big deal of it. She just asked me, do you know what sex is? And because I had seen porn, I said, yeah, it's when, you know, the man puts penis in the woman's vagina. And she said, what I thought was great about my mom did. She said, do you have any other questions? Mm. Mm-hmm. And you know what I th- what the, if like if if anyone who's a parent is listening, I think that's great. Provide whatever information they're asking for, and then ask if they have any questions. And at that point, I didn't, and I thought that was so great of my mom to do. She just let me be, and it wasn't weird at all. I started masturbating, but I would like I was so free about my sexuality. I would like announce it to the whole house, and like I'm gonna go touch myself. And my mom's like, "Let's come up with like a code for it or something. Let's call it riding the pony." <laughs> so I called it riding the pony, um, and and I and I think that's one of the things that really attracted me to this project was open conversations because the impact of my mom being willing to have open conversations with me, and then. The things that I experienced throughout high school and college, which I'll get into, is one of my biggest commitments in Clit Talk is really, I think, us providing a space for these and normalizing this is what's going to provide the next generation to ride the pony, you know? So, <laughs> so in high school, there were... Um, a couple, like a couple things that happened to me. I started being sexually active um, with a guy and I squirted for the first time when I was like 16 years old. I wasn't having sex, but he was fingering me mm-hmm. and I squirted all over his bed. I had no idea what it was. He didn't know. And he spread rumors all around about me peeing in the bed because I had squirted. I was a natural born squirter, had no fucking clue what it was. Um, and so one of the things that Clip Talk has also really done for me is heal those shameful moments, right? And it's funny because that guy like tried to friend me on Facebook recently. I was like, nope, <laughs> no, thank you. Like, I don't, I don't need that in my life. Like I'm 
I'm, you know, um, I'm moved beyond that. So that, you know, healing shame, there's been a couple shameful moments in my life where I felt like people put me on the spot and that was one of them. Um, and I would love to be able to, I don't know, create a squirting guide for high school girls because like they could be like me and like have it happen and not know what it is. And the thing is, it's very normal. It's not urine (laughs) and it feels really good. (laughs) So, um, and then, you know, Another thing that Clitalk has really opened up for me, it was um, taboo. And my first real experience with taboo was in college. At that point, I was sexually active. I was 19 and there was this really hot 38-year-old professor that I, single, not married, we were both single, that I seduced. Had a total like toward love affair with my my professor. I went to music school, so it wasn't like that crazy. Like like teachers hung out with the students all the time, um, and it was some of the best sex of my life. And at the time, I didn't know why, but it's because you know on the show one of the things we talk about is there's different erotic blueprints and sexual archetypes. And one of the things that I've discovered about myself on Clit Talk is that I am what you call a cerebrally kinky person. Mm. So the so like taboo fantasies get me off. Like what's more taboo than like seducing your college professor and getting an A? Like no wonder I was so fucking turned on. I was living out my actual fantasy, but I would, you know, growing up and in college and in my early 20s before Clit Talk, I would have all these taboo fantasies. And again, there would be this like embarrassment or the shame that I wasn't normal. Why am I, why am I fantasizing about like wanting to do these taboo things? And, and then I realized like, again, like there's nothing wrong with me. It's just my kink. And, and, and really I'm committed to normalizing that conversation around taboos as well. It's like, it's okay to have a kinky fantasy. Like there's a, and sometimes there's a difference between a fantasy and a desire. Like maybe I don't actually want to have a gangbang with a bunch of soccer dads, but I want to masturbate to it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And then as I got older, you know, I was in a relationship that was very much like a marriage. Um, the person I was with had three kids and I very much became like a stepmom. We were together for many, many years. And, um, you know, what that relationship taught me, you know, and something that we talk about in our um, signature masterclass is value-based boundaries. I had no fucking boundaries in the relationship. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't empowered. I didn't know what to ask for in that relationship. He basically cheated on me and then demanded we be non-monogamous, which was a very traumatic way to be brought into the non-monogamy world. I was going to sex parties. I was trying to have fun. Um, and the truth was I actually like was fluid on, on the Kinsey scale, which means, you know, if you're straight or bi or, you know, gay, I was fluid, but there was no safety for me to actually explore that conversation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and I was actually, Clit Talk had already started at that point when I was in that relationship. And I really took a stand for myself. And that's another conversation that I think is really important is, you know, setting those value-based boundaries and sticking to them for yourself. If you're in a situation that's not working, get the fuck out. And then you'll, you'll hear on the podcast, I went through a phase where I was like in my early 20s, or sorry, 30s, <laughs> not in 20s. I feel like I'm in my 20s. No, I was in my you know 30s and we had been doing all this work on clit talk and I was 
fully sexually empowered for the first time and single. So I got to check off one of my bucket list items of having a threesome with two guys with this new amazing man that I had just met. We were at Burning Man and, and you know, there's such a huge difference when you're with the right kind of man to be able to like have the space for that and allow my pleasure first versus like forcing you to go to a sex party or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? And there's such a huge difference. And it was because I had learned to set boundaries that I then attracted a man in there that was like, Hey, I see that you're traumatized. Our first, you know, fun play type experience. Let's make it all about you. And I feel like every fucking woman deserves that. Every human deserves that actually the experience of having someone else put your pleasure first, especially if you've been through something traumatic, it's immensely healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and then, you know, Clit Talk has really just taught me like, and when I was single, I was like, I was living it up. I was going to sex parties. I was doing all this stuff. And it, there's a very big difference in being single and having shame and, you know, um, sexism and the patriarchy be a part of your single life versus like being fully empowered, doing it on your own terms. Um, and I wish that experience for like young women or any per- person of any age or gender to like, if you're single to like have that experience, cause it was so empowering. And, you know, one of the biggest things that clit talk has taught me is that like, I'm allowed to be fluid. I'm allowed to not label myself as bi. I'm allowed to not label myself as monogamous or non-monogamous. I'm allowed to be fluid and that's okay. And I'm allowed to figure it out for the rest of my fucking life if I have to. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's a really great point is that who you are today isn't necessarily who you're going to be a couple of years from now. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's always room for change and growth and yeah. You know, even going backwards, stepping backwards and yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, in, in the, in the, you know, in the, you know, in the spirit of being fully transparent, I'm in therapy right now with my partner. Like, and I think that we need to normalize all those conversations and just be open. Like if we're cagey and weird, it makes other people feel like shit. So we're, the three of us are just totally open about our lives because I think that those are the type of conversations that are going to make a difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. How did you all find each other? Um, we actually (laughs) met in a, well, so I'm a professional musician. I went to college with Katie's husband. I stole Lindsay from Ethan. Yeah. I was, I was like, I was like best friends with her husband in college. And then she met me. She's like, I'm stealing you. Like 13 (laughs) Um, years ago. Yeah. We've known each other for a long time. And then we both met, um, sugar in a, all three of us were in a professional leadership program that had like nothing to do with sex. (laughs) It was all about like, you know, teams and management and transformational work. And we met each other there. And, um, you know, we're just kindred spirits. And then, well, Lindsay, we threw Madison's bachelorette party. That's true. Which yeah. is where she, she was gifted pussy a reclamation. Mm-hmm. And from there, a bunch of girls, we all started a book club reading it. And that's then, how the whole, yeah, all the, the whole podcast got started was this book club reading this book, Pussy Reclamation. Go read it if you haven't. Life-changing. Shout out to Regina Thomashower. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when I met them in this leadership program, I was like, 
in college. So I wasn't part of any sort of extracurriculars at the college that I went to. This leadership program was. So they were like my sorority sisters. So uh, my sister was too young to manage throwing a bachelorette party. So I was like, okay, who and which women in my world have my pussies back? Yeah, your sister was like 17 or something crazy. Like (laughs) Katie and I were like, we got, we weren't in the wedding party, but we threw you one hell of a bachelorette party. (laughs) I know if I could go back in time, that makes no fucking sense at the fuck all. But hey, I forgive you. You just have to spank me later. Okay. <laughs> and then I'll forgive you. See, there's my kinky side. There you go. Let's talk about the sex parties. What uh, Explain to people what that is, because I'm sure in the, the picture that entered their mind as soon as that word or play party, are they two separate things? That kind they, of, they're they, a little different. Yeah. yeah. Well, so, so they, the, both, they both have a lot of experience with play parties. So but Katie has an impactful been, experience. <laughs> I had a very impactful experience. We, the whole cast, all nine of us went to a sex party on Halloween, which you buy a ticket for and you go there and there's mingling at the beginning and then the sex kind of broke out. So it was pretty yeah. typical, I think, of what you would think. And um, and that's not how they run it. The, they'll they'll go into more how they run their play parties because it's very yeah. different. I but mean, what, I can start. I, like know I, a- I mentioned. I know mm-hmm. I mentioned sex parties like in the context of my relationship. So I'll sort of speak to that. Like to answer your question, sex parties and play parties are di- a different distinction to us. So I'll kind of explain the types of sex parties that I went to, and then. Um, I'll let Madison sort of explain the sort of play parties that we're now creating. So um, the sex parties that I was going to was um, we like, (laughs) if you Google, if you live in a major city, there are sex parties happening wherever you are. Um, And so we literally just Googled like sex parties, Los Angeles. And we found, you know, a sex party thing where you would basically like submit a photo of yourself, you and your partner, um, single women were allowed to go, single men were not. Men had to bring a date, which made it actually very cool for women. It was, I thought that was very cool. They would usually be in some like Hollywood Hills mansion. There would be like a password at the door. There would be security there. They were very secure. But it would you would be with people that you didn't know, which was kind of sexy. Like, what's that movie with like Tom Cruise, like eyes wide shut, sort of? Like, mm-hmm. so like it would be this like crazy, it, it wasn't as crazy as that movie, but you'd walk in, you'd meet people. So I remember the first party I went to, I'm like, when does the sex start? You know? So you'd walk in, you'd have, you can have some drinks or whatever. You start to talk to people. And so the, what I figured out was like downstairs is sort of the social. And then upstairs in the bedroom is where the sex would happen. So when you're ready to have sex, you could go up there and have sex. Um, But there's no, like you can go and just watch if you want. Like if you and your partner are just looking to kind of like race it up, like in like, um, watch you can do that if which is called voyeurism if you're wanting to you know maybe mess around with strangers and other people you don't know which i've done which can be really fun you can do that or you can be like the center of the orgy which you know we've also done that um so that's that's a sex party i would say the biggest difference between a sex party and a play party is like a sex party is like kind of with whoever you come with but like mostly strangers and it's mostly about the sex, which can be empowering and awesome. Um, and then, but play parties are more curated and different. So I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to tee this off to, to sugar. I love it. It sounds like we have like this, like huge production for play parties and sex parties. <laughs> we, we really, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> we do, <laughs> but sometimes we do. So a play party is similar to a sex party. There is the intention of 
sexual exchange, but it's in community. Most of the attendees know each other. Um, there may be friends or friends of friends. They've maybe there's a couple of unfamiliar faces, like mutual Some friends. <laughs> but it's definitely something you don't pay for. Someone out of the kindness of their heart hosts at their home and and creates the space. Um, and so it's not something you're going to find online. It's a private. It's a private event. Someone in the non-monogamous community or a polyam or more specifically a polyamorous community um, would be privately hosting like a party at their house. That's what this would be. And in a play party. Uh, there's an emphasis on really exploring your desires. Um, there's a real emphasis on consent culture. It's a very educational experience and exploratory experience in that sense. That actually is similar to a sex party. There's yeah. you could have the intention of having an exploratory time, uh, playing with your desires and things of that nature. But in a play party, you're probably going to see something like an opening ceremony that really has people break the ice with each other and get start talking about their desires or what they're thinking they're wanting. And there's going to be more of, um, I would say, maybe a spiritual through line in that regard. Um, to give you an idea of certain flavors, uh, Lindsay co-hosted a play party here with me where we really talked about in the opening ceremony, like this is a potent container for you to manifest your desires. Like, what do you guys want to happen on Tuesday after this weekend? And, you know, someone actually after that party said the thing that I vo vocalized in that opening ceremony came true and it was getting a publishing deal with her book in France and like notified us after the fact. So there could be different themes for the, there's also, I would say like, theming play parties to echo i could see you like what do you want to say Lynn? no no i'm just the one one also really cool thing about like the intention circle is you get to set your intention for that evening right you, yeah. like i'm here with my partner we're looking to only play with other girls or i'm here tonight to be looked at but not touched I'm here tonight to only make out with people. So that's really cool because like at a sex party with strangers, you don't know what they're there for. So it's kind of awkward. But with the intention circle, everyone says exactly what they're there for tonight. So you kind of zero in like, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to like zero in on these people because they're there for the same reason as me. Or I know, I know not to go up and touch someone. I mean, consent, you should always ask someone before you touch or do anything. But you know for sure that person, you don't even have to ask them because they don't want to be touched that night. You can just respect that. So mm -hmm. that's like another, you, they can set their intention for that evening the book yeah. deal part sounds a bit like sex magic yeah exactly exactly so there's an aspect of sex magic with it for sure katie tell me about your you know nice catholic girl going to her first play party it was uh an experience that's for sure um you know, my husband and I, we were there, we were talking to people and then we'd get skittish because we didn't want to talk to anyone too much. So we didn't want them to think that we wanted to have sex with them. <laughs> and then it, it, and then the sex broke out and the whole cast took over like the main bedroom. And I was like <laughs> really uncomfortable and I but I wanted to participate, you know, in some capacity. So at least I'd have something to talk about. So. I, I worked, I, I wanted to leave basically. And I started crying to my husband. Cause I was like, I want to be here, but I really want to leave. And, um, and through tears, I'm like, should we at least have sex first? And so we did, and we went like up on the roof and there were a couple of other people, but it was like a really expansive, um, 
beautiful roof where we kind of got some privacy but then people were watching us from a distance. And the coolest thing that happened out of that experience was that was the night I got pregnant with my husband. Yeah. And, um, and you know, I feel like you talked about how sex magic and these sexual energy is so potent for anything you want to manifest. And I really do feel like that really freed us up to get pregnant because we hadn't gotten pregnant yet and we had been trying. So Mm. it's a nice, nice surprise, but I haven't been to one since. But you also said that people watched you and that was like, you felt super empowered and like, it was a very liberating experience for you. I'm just thinking about anyone who's listening. That's like monogamous and is like, hell no. Like it was also a very empowering experience for you. It was surprisingly empowering to have people to be seeing someone having sex, like, you know, a few feet away from me and ha- see someone circling around the pool to get in the hot tub to sit there and watch us. You know, it was it was super hot. So not something I ever would have thought I w- would have wanted to do, but it was really um, an erotic space. That There's was something in your, um, in your bio that you sent me that I thought was interesting because I think a lot of women have this and you said that you uh, previously had uh, had pain during sex. And I think mm-hmm. that happens to a lot of women and also the, the women that can't achieve orgasm, mm-hmm. not, not by themselves, not with a partner. Could you speak to that a little bit about your learning how to, to get there? Yeah. So I, um, in the beginning, I said I used to really endure sex and it was painful and it was why I didn't really enjoy it. Right. So, um, it really started to shift for me when I started my own personal pleasure practice because I started to learn my own body and be able to ask for things that I knew would feel good and to really lean into relying on myself for my own pleasure, whether it was with myself or with my husband. So that really, um, I think that was probably the biggest thing. I also started using Foria Wellness, uh, CBD arousal oil, intimacy oil, and that really started to help with the pain. And um, but really, I think I wasn't getting turned on. And what I've been learning recently, because uh, I'm getting my, I'm getting certified as a sex educator, is there's spontaneous desire and there's responsive desire. So it's I I'm not spontaneously turned on. I need some kind of something to respond to, to start to get into the mood where my husband is spontaneous. He'll get done with work and I'll walk out there and he's like, you want to go have sex now? I'm just like, how was your day? (laughs) You know, (laughs) can we have a conversation first? So we've been playing around a lot with like when the sexual blueprints, there's A-B testing and we just did our Valentine's Day event where Caitlin V took us through step-by-step how to do that. And I found that to be super empowering. So I think being open to explore and also being in touch with your own pleasure and responsible for your own pleasure, whether it's in solo or partnered practice, that um, that that's really what got me um I don't have painful sex anymore. That's great. And I think that's important for people to hear because I think that the shame around sex in general is so massive that women and men both may spend an entire life never talking about it. And that's a real bummer because everything that they're missing out on. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. I can also, I can also speak to one of the things that, um, Katie was speaking, like learning about what turns you on. One of the biggest things for me, like in the beginning of my sex life and until I actually learned about it on clit talk was, um, I used to go numb a lot, like, especially in my clitoris area, like I would just go easily numb and then get frustrated and then like never come. And what we learned is there's actually five different types of clits and they all require different stimulation. It was like one of those aha moments for me. We did a whole episode. I think it's just called like the five different types of clits or whatever. Do you mean, I just want to clarify, do you mean on on different women have different kinds or do you mean that different areas are erogenous zones? No, different women have different kinds of clits. Got it. Yeah. So it's like if a man, so like just a quick breakdown, there's like small, medium and large. So a small is like about the size of a grain of rice and it's either hooded or unhooded, right? Like it's either like sort of covered or uncovered. And then there's medium, which is like the size of a pea, which is like, I would say like most people. Um, and that's either hooded or unhooded. And then there's a large size clit, which is anything larger than that. And um, for, for me with a small size clip, I think the men or the people that I would be with were treating it like a medium size clip, which requires more harder stimulation. And I would just go completely numb. So when I discovered that I have a small size clip, like I actually like really, really gentle stimulation and I don't even like vibrators. The, the biggest thing for me is like, they make these things that are clitoral suckers now. Mm-hmm. And they just like blow air on you. And that works for anyone who goes numb with a vibrator or too much stimulation. You might have a small size clit, try a clitoral sucker. You're welcome. Um, and, and you know, the thing is if for a large size clit, I think a lot of women rubbing and all that stuff is not like they need to be treated almost like a cock and be sucked like a cock to get off. So knowing like, like putting a mirror down there, (laughs) like you said at the beginning and seeing what your clit is. So you know what to ask for and, you know, being willing to explore with different types of stimulation in both your, you know, masturbation practice and with a partner has been life-changing for me in terms of, cause I just like, I would just never like never come. And I was like, there's something wrong with me. There's something to be said for patience as well. That the idea that the people that just jump right in, as Katie was talking about, you know, that all there are many roads. It's not one road. It's not like oh my god, a vagina. Oh my god, boobs. Oh my god, a dick. Yay! You know, there, there's lots going on. And yeah. the other thing too is, I think people think that the only sexual body parts are the obvious ones, and hmm. I don't think that's true at all. No, I think the brain is one of the sexiest organs we have. Get that going. And, you know, hallelujah. your brain is your most erotic organ in your body. I actually, I, I believe that. Yeah. And I argue that with people that are like, no, that's not true. You have to have stimulation you have to be touched. And I was like, well, then how do you explain a wet dream? Nobody's yeah. touching you there. Your brain's or, an, or an energetic orgasm where someone's not even, t- which is a real thing. <laughs> We've learned from Layla Martin, someone's not even touching you and you can come. Or there's the breath work kind. Mm -hmm. I interviewed a woman that wrote Urban Tantric. She wrote a whole book about how you can breathe to orgasm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And she teaches classes all over the place. I'll connect you guys. I think she, yeah, we should have her on. That sounds awesome. Absolutely. There's just so, okay. So self-pleasure practice. I feel like we kind of covered that already, but what about the people who would say to I'm sure you get hate mail. Uh, Actually, I don't think we ever have. <laughs> have it? 
No, oh, not really. once. Oh, I, that makes me so happy. I thought for sure you'd get never of awful. We haven't bolts. gotten any. We've yeah. never gotten any hate mail. Yeah, that's I, I've never even thought. Yeah, we never have. Well, let's I forgot about starts. hate mail. <laughs> I actually forgot about hate mail. And I don't know if it's maybe the nature of our conversation, but we also stay away from anything like, I guess that we are controversial and taboo in nature, but we do stay away from debate topics that would skew different sides. We stay away from anything that would like what, what would be an example, anything, just anything controversial outside of our education. So I don't think we're really, we're, we're not really putting out content that, you know, uh, is, is debating in two different, there might be two different sides there. It's mm. not that kind of conversation. We stay away from that. That's just not our show. I mean, yeah, we're pleasure researchers. So we're just asking the questions. Yeah. And you're not, it doesn't seem like you're trying to shock anyone either. What about the people out there listening who have spent a lifetime being told that any kind of pleasure outside of the, the marital bed is not only wrong, but even maybe on the wrong side of the, you know, hell heaven fence. Sin, <laughs> sinful. Sin. Sin wagon. Maybe that's one thing I'd be gr- I'm grateful for with these social media algorithms these days. I don't think we show up in those people's algorithms. <laughs> we definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> but they might be secretly listening to you. Oh, right. I would yeah. I would I would think they are. <laughs> in secret. In secret though, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I mean what I would say to to those people is to be really gentle with themselves because if you're not allowing the most natural thing in your body, it's having an impact. And I would check in and uh, on a physical level and see what you would potentially want to adjust. And if that's even a conversation that is available to Mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that we have discovered in our pleasure research is very few people set aside time to actually discover what they desire and make it a reality and decipher what is an actual desire and what's just a fantasy. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that, I think that, you know, for me, it's like, if you want to have a threesome, but you don't actually want to do it, try audio porn where the guy's talking dirty in the background or something like you can get creative. Like we're talking very extremes. Like we're non-monogamous marriage or sex parties. Like you don't have to do that. If that's not your truth, like there are many colors on the rainbow before a sex party Like <laughs> that you can try. I, I would also encourage them to over their clothes, place their hand on their sex and breathe because we talked about erotic tissue and actually any round tissue in your body is erotic. Like your mouth is connected to your pussy. There's this um, breath work that um, Marla Mervis Hartman from Love Your Body, Love Yourself. She does this exercise that really has stuck with me and it's good for lots of things. But for what I'm talking about is um, really starting to listen to your body from your root, which is where all of your creativity, so much is held in the middle of our body and to start breathing. So the breathing is straw breathing. So it's like as if you're breathing, sipping, sipping a straw and you feel your, you feel your pussy open if you're, if you're paying attention and then blow out and it closes. And what has been the most impactful thing to me is really developing that relationship with myself so that I'm able to 
stand, I feel like it's almost my guide for, I check in with myself to see if I'm comfortable with something. And, and in my brain, I'm like, you know, logical, logical, this makes sense. But my body's like, uh, uh-uh, girl, you gotta, you gotta go the other way. Sorry. You know? So I think it's a really, um, important thing to just feel comfortable enough, even over your clothes, as you fall asleep to just place your hand over your sex and start to listen and breathe and really be connected to your body. Mm-hmm. I think that's great advice. I, mean, I, I wanted to ask the next question about childbirth and the relationship you have now with your body after giving birth. I mean, the breathing thing, obviously when women give birth, they breathe, breathe, breathe. It's, it's big part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you rediscover your body after creating a life? Wow. So many ways. Um, how did I rediscover my body? So when I, first of all, when I was pregnant, it was the, I was talking about responsive versus spontaneous desire. I was spontaneously, I was horny all the time when I was pregnant. It was like this experience that I I understood where my husband was coming from. And on the flip side of the coin, he was not interested in having sex with me because he had this whole, you know, Virgin Mary, how do I treat, this is my wife. How do I now treat a mother? You know, it's very common. And um, so it really transformed my relationship to my body when I was pregnant. And he was going through this thing that's very common for men of like, you know, this is my wife. She's a mother now. How do I treat a mother? And it had him like not want to have sex with me. So, (laughs) you know, so treating my body and afterwards and really like being patient with myself. And I've loved, I've never loved my body or been more comfortable in my body than since I've had my baby. So that's great. I found it a very empowering and liberating experience. How do you plan uh, with your, with your child? Do you, do you have a, an idea of it or do you feel like it's just going to kind of happen naturally at the conversations around sex? I think, well, my plan is to, I mean, already six months old, he's exploring his penis using the real words for what parts are saying, oh, does that feel good? And like that it's a safe place and that it's his, you know, Mm -hmm. he a lot of times wants to grab, like he'll take a bath with my husband and he'll want to hurt, he'll hurt him. He'll try to hurt him. And, um, and so really learning like consent and boundaries, because my son is also someone who wants to hug and kiss every kid and, you know, you have to ask. So we've already started that conversation. And I think that. I'll have a conversation with him early on about, you know, consent and pleasure and, you know, just how your body works. Mm-hmm. And I think with the nature of like what I do for a living now is it'll be pretty, <laughs> he'll either be hugely embarrassed by me or think I'm like the bee's knees in, in the realm of sex. But <laughs> I actually thought about you when I was watching that TV show, Sex Education. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I was like, this this could be Cooper. I feel like Cooper's going to be proud of you, though. I think he will. And but it's so interesting how early on, like these things, these conversations start, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it starts early and these impressions and the modeling and also like making sure that my husband and I are affects- affectionate with each other and, and loving and talk about, you know, respecting our bodies and, you know, kids will go through hitting phases and stuff. And it's all about, you know 
space, please, or setting, you know, setting boundaries. And it's, um, it's, he's only two and a half years old and I'm already using so many of these tools that I've only learned in the last five years. It's great. It's great. But where can people find y'all and what's coming down the pipeline? Um, so the, the best place to find us honestly is the podcast. Um, it's a, it's a weekly show. It's called clit talk. You can listen to it on any major, you know, podcasting network or on iTunes, Spotify, all of that. Um, we also do have some really exciting things coming. Um, if you would like a free gift from us, we have just created the most. So after (laughs) over like 200 episodes, we were like, we have to synthesize all the best of the best of what we've learned and give it as a gift to the world. It was really our commitment. So we have created something called Clit Talk Cliff Notes. <laughs> and it's basically like a highlight reel. We've got audio trainings in there. Um, there's an audio training like self-love is self-care. There's also all of our best sex tips for all genders, both men and women, this will apply to, and everyone in between, non-binary. And um, we have a couple extra special bonuses in there. We mentioned Caitlin V. We got like a squirting video in there. We've got like an erotic visualization, a little sampling of everything we do. And it's really just our free gift to you. If anyone would like it, you can just go to clittalkshow.com backslash guide, and it's yours for free. And I'll put links uh, on HeyHumanPodcast.com's link page. Yeah. Yeah. That. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, some books for people reference. Obviously, you've referenced a couple in this conversation. Is there any go-tos that you will recommend for people? Yes. So <laughs> aside from the obvious, which is the inspiration for our show, Pussy Reclamation by Regina Thomas-Hour, for anyone looking to open up in... Yep their relationship. I highly recommend opening up by Tristan Termino. Uh, Our entire third season of our podcast was actually based off of another book called Sex at Dawn Mm -hmm. uh, by Christopher Ryan. And those are my recommendations. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, I would say anyone looking to play with the non-monogamy world, the, the Christopher Ryan book is really just historical and informational, but anyone looking to open up, I think our two favorite books are opening up and there's also one called the ethical slut. Nah, great book. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Those would be, yeah. And then I will, I'm going to add one more. It's come oh, as yes. you are by um, Emily book. Nagoski. This is like the bee's knees of sex education and understanding women's sexuality. We are also, you know, we are also like everything that we've learned, we have put into a digital course, a seven week course, which is a masterclass. It's called sex and empowerment. So Mm -hmm. um, if anybody would like more information on that, or if anybody just has questions for us or wants to have a safe community to explore anything, we do take the time to read every email and respond back personally. And um, that's something that's very important to us as Clit Talk. So please reach out to us. We read everything you will hear back from us. um, And that's really our commitment is just creating a community and a safe space. So anyone listening to this that is like, oh, I might want to reach out, like just do it. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. You follow us on Instagram. We've heard it all. <laughs> We've heard it all. We've literally heard it all. Yeah. That's yeah. And for a quick reply, like for, for something like that, you know, DM us on Instagram, but yep. check us out on Instagram, clit talk show and send, uh, give us a follow and send us a DM. Yeah. We love DMs. 
I bet it's fun getting around Instagram's rules and regulations when you're posting. <laughs> oh, we've only been shut down like three times. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That's good. Do you yeah. have a, a, a team uh, other than the obvious that are on the show, but a, a team outside of yourselves that are advisors to the program and to the questions? If Nope, it's just all y'all. It's, it's all us. It's us and our pussies at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we do have, you know, relationships to the over the 150 people that we've interviewed on the show. So uh, we, we also like to think of ourselves in addition to pleasure, pleasure researchers, click consultants, you know, we know all the right people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're like, I need a Tantra person or I need someone about this, we can definitely send you in the right direction. No, we know everyone in this realm. We've <laughs> been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Ladies, this is so great. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for listening, everybody. And, uh, uh, take care of yourselves. Be happy. Bye. Feel good. Bye. 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 Rate, review, and subscribe to Hey Human on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>